This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The New Orleans Pelicans Zion Welcome to In The Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. to another episode of in the or in the quarantine or whatever you want to call it it's been a while since we've done one of these and bring on a guest with us we have austin robert he is a new orleanian goes to tulane law i think you guys heard me talk about the pro basketball negotiation competition a few episodes back well austin was one of the driving forces behind organizing that and so, Austin, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, about as well as you can. Just, um, you know, staying indoors and um, trying to get a bunch of work done, I guess, since I uh, can't go do anything else. Before, before we do more formal introductions, I want to get your top five foods that you've eaten during this quarantine. Hmm. Um, I guess... Uh, Last night, our, our neighbors had, um, I'm not sure how they got them, they had a bunch of uh, just turkeys, like frozen turkeys. So they gave us two turkeys, yeah, whole turkeys. So we, um, you know, we put those in, uh, in the oven and kind of um, uh, broiled that up for a bit and get it crispy and then made some uh, some sauce with the turkey juices on top of that. Had that and some uh, little crostinis with them. And um, and what else do we have with it? And um, some bacon wrapped. Um, it was a bacon wrapped cauliflower piece with uh, pepper jelly. So Whoa. ate pretty good yesterday. Um, and we've just been, we've been doing a lot of cooking, so we've had a, a couple of different things, but I guess that's most recent in my mind. Okay. I don't, I don't know if that was five, but I'll take it. Sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty delicious. Uh, yeah, man, that, that sounds great. So one of the reasons we have Austin on our podcast, not because he's a longtime listener and a fan, which again could be you guys on this podcast at some point, but Austin also does 
some agency work. And Austin, do you want to kind of fill us in on how you got started with that and in kind of what capacity you work in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for about the last two years, a little bit over two years, I've been working for Seagull Sports and Entertainment um, as an internship in, in the uh, mentor-mentee program they have, um, which I kind of got started with that because I w- joined the Tulane Pro Basketball Negotiation Competitions Committee, which um, for the last two years, Jim has been kind enough to be a judge for that. Um, and um, just doing that, I met some people that had also done the mentorship program and they said, hey, you know, we think you'd be um, a great fit for this. So I connected with uh, Mike Segal and I've been, um, I've been doing that since. So it's been really great. I mainly do um, scouting players, um, CBA stuff and cap stuff. I also have a new venture that I've been working on which is creating an esports division for the agency. Been working on that for about a year now, and um, we have um, you know some some big developments coming for that soon. So we're excited about that as well. And uh, it's just been a great experience. Got to meet a lot of people in the NBA. Got to learn a lot of just you know how the agency side works and um, and how you know you talk to clients and talk to teams and and just had a great experience overall. So I've enjoyed that a lot. Very cool. And so for listeners who aren't familiar with your agency, um, who is a player that they would all recognize that, that is a client? So as far as former Pelicans, we represent Langston Galloway. He's now on the Pistons, but we did rep him when he was in New Orleans as well. Um, we've also done uh, contract work for uh, Window Car Jr. of the Bulls. Uh, former clients, we are we're formally represented um, Kawhi Leonard. I'm sure everybody would know Kawhi. Uh, so yeah, just we have a, a bunch of overseas players as well, a bunch of G League guys. Um, say our, our biggest current guy is, is Langston, and um, we do some consulting for Wendell. Nice. And so I guess I have, I'm kind of obliged to ask this. I don't know if you're familiar with the show Ballers, but uh, on this podcast, me at least, I can't speak for Mason. I'm a very big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, not a big enough fan to where I've seen the entirety of Ballers, but I'm familiar with the concept. I've seen a few episodes. Have Are you familiar with the show? One, two, have you been able to experience anything like what they show in that in that TV show? <laughs> I don't know about quite like they show in the TV show. Um, I'll say that that summer league in Vegas is a really fun experience and there's a lot of, you know, fun events going on around and after summer league that um, I would say, I guess is the closest thing. It's a, it's a good time for sure. Um, The players and, and the league know how to set up events the right way. Um, But I I don't know if it's quite like that. Uh, Also, I, I haven't seen the newest season, but I've been told there's a lot of esports stuff in it. Um, but I can't really comment on if it's accurate because I haven't I haven't seen that new season yet. Okay. Well, if we start talking about esports, Mason will never get a chance to contribute to the discussion. <laughs> Maybe so, the listeners want that though. So I mean, if you guys want to go for it, <laughs> it's it's entirely possible that may increase our listenership. But uh, what we're gonna do is we opened up 
the podcast to a series of questions to the listeners. And we're going to kind of use that as a frame to shape where we want to go. So I'm going to dive right in, open this up to both of y'all and, you know, chime in wherever I feel the need to chime in. We're going to start with question number one, prepare yourselves. Would either of you guys consider trading this year's pick slash picks? And if so, what would you be looking for in return? Mason, you first. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, I, I mean, we, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how we think that um, it, well, one, we thought it was possible to trade that that pick would be traded before the, the trade deadline. And, and two, just that um, DD is, is a, effectively a guy that the Pelicans are hopefully looking to bring over to the team uh, next season as their maybe a quote unquote, you know, their, their rookie from, from that draft. But um but yeah, I mean, as far as what I'm looking for, the, the 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 draft is not valued highly. So whatever you think you whatever you look at in the past for what whatever their pick were typically returned in that slot, it's probably from again. I'm, I'm not I'm not the draft guy, but everything I've read is that this draft class is pretty weak. Um, so I, I'm not going to say a specific player that I think it would be worth, but um, but I mean, even if it was to to kick the can down the road, and if you think you can get more value in a future draft pick. Uh, from a team who really likes somebody, um, I would I would happily pull a trigger at something like that. Okay, Austin, what you got? Yeah, I agree with that. I think you got to be open to everything. Um, it really depends on what the offer is on the table. I think the um, you know us being at twelve or thirteen, if that's where we end the season, which I'm assuming at this point is going to be it. Um, you know, I really think it depends on who falls. If you have a guy that you really believe in that you feel strongly about, you know, maybe an Okoro or um, an Onyeta or something like that that falls and you say, Hey, this is our guy. We should take him. Then I, that's great. You're in the right range. If that kind of player doesn't fall to you, then I think it does make sense to, to trade back there. I think there's a lot of really valuable players who are at least projected to um, go middle to late first round. That would be just as valuable as who you might get in that 12 to 13 range. If, the right player doesn't drop. So definitely consider trading back. We consider trading for an established player as well. I think, um, you know, something that everybody recognizes, we need more defense on the wing, especially like someone that can defend threes and um, potentially fours if we're going to move Zion over to the five. Um, So anyone available, a veteran like that for the pick, I would consider as well. Okay. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. So what I'm going to do is you talked about going after a guy that, that you potentially love that ends up falling now. What does that look like in this world, the COVID-19 world, where, first of all, like, the, I feel like the pre-draft process for many teams is going to be cut ridiculously short. There's no in-person workouts. There's probably not going to be, like, in-person medicals. I think Shams just tweeted something about NBA teams having four hour slots to video conference with, with these players. How is that going to affect the the draft stocks of many of these players? And like, how are you going to be able to get any kind of conclusive uh, research to really solidify like the direction you want to go? Because you have a, a fairly limited sample of what these guys did in college. You don't have any NCAA tourney film, and then you can't really get to know these guys in person. So does that also quote unquote, make this a, a weaker draft or, or B does that kind of open the door 
uh, to finding a player that may slip through the cracks. I mean, I, I think that's a great point and something I, I think it, it, it's an additional uh, element to Austin's point around, is there a value in trading down? And I think the lack of information or relative lack of information is another reason why trading down. Like there are already play, plenty of players who slipped through the cracks, relatively speaking. Um, and now you have even less information. But the trick is that's every team's, every smart team is probably going to think along those lines. And so I, I, I think you might find fewer teams willing to trade up than you may have in, in past years. May, you may have more like an NFL type draft scenario uh, this year rather than NBA, which is weird um, to say, but I, it really, I mean, if you don't have the information, how can you, I mean, you, you, may, have, you may have some teams that think they're, that they, their minds are made up and I guess the top of the draft, that's, that's more uh, clear. But yeah, as you go further down, I, th- I think there's a lot of a lot of reason to, to consider trading down. The question is, are all the teams, all the, all the other teams in the league, thinking the exact same way, right? Yeah, absolutely. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I also think, like you were saying, Shamit, with the um, the workouts being cut, I think that really is going to affect certain players. Um, you know, maybe guys who had less games, guys that were injured, guys that only um, played one season, they're going to um, probably, you know, some might say they get the benefit of it. I think someone like Wiseman is probably going to benefit from not playing many games, but then there's going to be other guys who you just don't have enough tape on and they can't prove themselves in the workout, so they're going to drop and um, where they potentially would have. Um, and I think also you're going to have guys who are just really smart players. So when they go to the workout, they could show um, how they understand the game and how they can can lead on the floor. Those guys are, might drop too just because they don't have that opportunity in that workout environment. Um, I think there, I think you can see just from the consensus number one pick uh, right now being Anthony Edwards. It's a guy who is just kind of a freak athlete. I think those guy, kind of guys are really benefiting from – the current situation we're in. So if all these smart teams are kind of going to be zigging and looking for value later in the draft because of these situations for, for players to slip in the crack, could it be possible to zag and buy low on, on a top pick? So like, let's say, you know, there's team at, at five and there's a guy that you really like at five. Let's say it's Lamelo ball. Let's say, it's it's Killian Hayes who I actually. Why love. would you even wish that on us? With, with <laughs> you know what the, the, you know the, fun, the funniest thing is I would I would be fine with Lamelo on this team. Me too. Um, the, the player, the player, <laughs> not, not yeah, the exactly. It would be insufferable, <laughs> insufferable <laughs> to log online and and have any kind of discourse because every single day it's like why aren't they starting both Lamelo and Lonzo? And I can't wait for like the made up arguments of like Lamelo taking away from Lonzo. I don't even know, man. It's whatever. We'd be a um, we'd be a Leangelo ball away from a title. Yeah, that's what they would say. We would need to sign him to the Bayhawks. Or, um, shoot, is it bad that I already forgot what our our Birmingham team's name's going to be? No, because I don't yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> can't tell you either. The Birmingham Pelicans or whatever. Um, crap. Well, in any case. Does is this create an opportunity to buy lower on a top five pick than than a typical year? You know, for me, I'm I'm not sure that 
teams are definitely going to be trading back. I was just saying from my perspective, being in, you know, the late lotto, it might make sense there if um, just the right player on their board doesn't drop. You know, other other teams, their board might show a guy in that range and it's perfect for them. I don't know what the Pelicans board looks like, but I was just saying in that scenario, I think there is going to be some value later in this round. Um at least from the projections we've seen now, which which who knows with everything, the shortened season with no tournament, um, with no workouts, a lot of these mocks we could be looking at too could just be wildly inaccurate. This might be one of the most surprising drafts we've ever had just because we might go to it and guys who might be mocked for late first or even early second round might end up, you know, lotto or, or close to lotto just because of um, lack of information from people making these mocks. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's one area I was going to go to is say, talk about that the Pelicans do have a nice trove of early, or not all early, but a couple early second round picks. Um, or sorry, I guess not. I, I'm sorry. I was looking at the Cleveland, the Cleveland pick, which is probably not going. Well, I guess almost certainly not going to convey as a first rounder. And so they're those picks are in the, the next two years. But they've got the they've got the Wizards for second round pick. They've got the Bucks second round pick. So I mean. You could take the Wizards pick and and try to move up with uh, with that, and I wouldn't, you know, if there's a guy they love, I'm, you know, I wouldn't hate that. I, I think if I, I I think my mind was more around if there are teams that have multiple firsts um, that are like not thirty, like I don't I haven't looked to see what the what the who has multiple picks, but if that, I could see that being something that a team is less inclined to do. But uh, if you're talking about a first plus maybe an early second or two to move up. Yeah, I, I could see that probably a little easier. Yeah, and, you know, if we didn't have so many rookies on the team and young players on the team already, this would have been a great year where I would have been like, oh, you have all these second-round picks, let's just keep taking swings and and see what you can do. But I, I just can't get behind the idea of adding, like, four rookies on this team. Yeah. And and that includes bringing Didi over, and you don't know what the situation with, with, with Zylan is. And – I it just seems like a mess. So, well, I guess if I had a guess, I, I feel like they would combine picks in some sort of fashion, whether it's punting them to future years or, or using them to move up in the draft. It, it's definitely going to be one of the more interesting drafts looking back like five years from now. Yeah. I think sure. a lot of people are going to be like, well, what, what were they thinking? Or it's going to be like, man, these organizations are really smart because they were able to find these players in a really weird time. Um, okay, I get, we can move on from some some draft questions to let's let's go to a non basketball question before shifting back to basketball. So the question is: list five albums or artists that you've listened to during stay at home. Um, five seems like a lot for all three of us. It's like fifteen. Um, so let's let's make it three. I mean, I have, man, I've, I haven't listened to much music at all. <laughs> so that, this is a bad question for me. Um, I, I'm just, I'm going to pass on this question because yeah, there's been, there, music has not been playing in my place. It's just been, it's been kind of a weird, busy time um, moving mid Midwest last week and just kind of like hectic stuff. But um, I, I have a, no answer to that question. So I'll let you guys take it. <laughs> Austin, 
<laughs> yeah, I'd say as far as music goes, I've been listening to um, uh, Run the Jewels, especially like their new single. Big fan of that. Um, I've been listening to Joji's new single. Um, I've been um, listening to a ton of podcasts. Like just so I've been listening to so many podcasts that yeah, I usually have enough in my you know Spotify thing where I can go the whole week. But I've been finishing it in on my list of things to listen to in two days or so instead of the whole week. So um, that's kind of where I've where I've been at. Um, not a ton of like full albums I've been listening to, but. Okay, fair enough. I listened to the entirety of the new weekend album, which I enjoyed a lot. I listened to the entirety of the new Childish Gambino album, which was a little bit weird. It wasn't bad, just weird. And I listened to a lot of T Pain after his Instagram <laughs> battle with Lil John or a couple nights yes. ago. <laughs> just just went through a whole listen to all the hits that were playing during middle school and high school. Good you, times. Cr- you you crushed her any uh any tv recently yes i have crushed through a lot of anime i have um i'm i'm almost up to date on westworld i've restarted um watching breaking bad even though i decided i hated the show like 10 years ago so i quit watching it <laughs> um and there's something else that i like consumed Man, it was just anime. Awesome, you. Well, like everyone else, I watched Tiger King. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't take it. Unlike everybody else, I think I um, I kind of just wanted everyone in the entire show to be in jail. Um, but, you know, <laughs> uh, especially with, you know, my, my longtime uh, girlfriend being uh, a veterinarian, it was not like my favorite series, but I did finish it. <laughs> Um, I, uh, been rewatching Parks and Rec. It's a really great show, but I will say the first two seasons, like, I forgot how kind of not great they are. I mean, they're okay, but it really doesn't hit its stride until you get, um, you know, Rob Lowe and, and, uh, Adam Scott. Um, what else have I been watching? I've been watching, uh, Dirty Money, the new season of Dirty Money which is great, but also, you know, extremely frustrating. And that's probably about it for new shows, I guess. Okay. Nice. Fair enough. Austin has only played uh, one night of Warzone with me, and uh, we have yet to make another night happen. So we're still working on that. But I feel like, again, this is delving away from Mason's territory. So we will bring it back <laughs> to, to basketball-related stuff. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right. So we're going to talk about, uh, we've, we've kind of already discussed this in, in other episodes, but 
Um, we can touch on it a little bit more in, in depth here. Let's look. They want us to look at the cap situation the Pelicans are currently in and, and what we expect it to look like going forward. Is the cap expected to drop? And, you know, what does that mean for Ingram and Lonzo and, and, all, and Drew and, and all those other players? So, Austin, you said you do a lot of cap stuff. I'm sure you're pretty familiar with New Orleans's cap situation. And um, you pay attention to league-wide news and the potential for this to drop. What are your What are your thoughts on on where this is and and kind of what this means with with the Ingram's extension coming forward and all of that? Yeah, I I think it's probably inevitable that the cap does drop. It's you know it's impossible to say what it would drop to um, at this moment. So it's it's kind of hard to give a, a good idea of what the Pelicans will be looking at. Um, but if we're just looking at the current cap, which uh, I believe is projected to be at uh, 117, um, that would give the Pelicans a technical max space of 39 million. But of course you got to assign BI. He's probably going to get a max or at least close to it, which would, give us about 10 million. Then we have to sign our pick as long as we keep that pick, which is 12 to 13 could be higher. Um, but that would be at least 4 million, um, maybe more depending on lottery luck. So really we're after we sign BI, we'll have about a functional uh, cap space of 5.7 million, depending on where that pick lands, um, which really isn't enough to do much and especially since the cap will most likely drop that'll probably be a functional space of almost nothing and then um we still have our other free agents to resign unrestricted Derek favors each one more um jill for and then restricted frank jackson uh kindrick and josh gray if we want to on the two-way um so you know we had to resign those guys and that would that would make sense to sign you know, at least one of them, just because it would it would benefit us to be over the cap and have the uh, full MLE available. But to give super accurate details, it's it's just impossible at this point without knowing how the league finances are going to be affected from everything. So in, instead of giving super accurate details, um, let's talk about a little bit in the context of of Brandon Ingram. And kind of like where the that leaves the Pelicans going forward. So like previously, you know, uh, we on the podcast think that Brandon Ingram's most likely going to get a max. Like it's almost mm-hmm. to the point where it's a, it's a no brainer, right? If the cap drops significantly, I, I do think it becomes a no brainer because even though he's going to take the same percentage of the cap at that twenty five percent mark, the dollar value is going to be low, and the cap coming in lower this year does not preclude future years from being a lot higher so um do you think the pelicans can find some value in that even if they end up maxing ingram and two uh like let's say the cap drops from you said it was like 117 let's say it drops all the way down to 100 million do you think the nba is going to explore a situation where they also drop the tax line uh, proportionately like like they do in a normal year and you're gonna have all these teams that were not planning on being tax teams become tax teams or do you think they're gonna like leave it to kind of where it was 
and and ease the financial burden on a lot of teams that are just kind of losing money at the moment, frankly. Yeah, so I think that's definitely going to be um, something that the NBA and Players Association um, are going to have to negotiate. They're, they've been in constant negotiations for the past couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say what I, what I think they would agree to. Um, I think it would probably probably make the most sense to leave the luxury tax and not have teams that were planning to not be luxury tax teams um, become them. I think that would be a pretty uh, rough situation for a lot of these teams. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Because there, there's also the situation where if you leave the luxury tax the way it is, um, but you don't, but you keep the, the, you lower the cap, then you have a situation where you could, um, you know, sign more players without hitting that luxury tax line and potentially create a situation that the NBA has been trying to avoid. Um, so not really sure what, what will happen there, but it's definitely, it's definitely possible that, um, you know, tough times are still coming for these teams. And, and uh, I agree with what you said, the possibly having some value on that, that BI contract, depending on uh, how the cap moves. Yeah, that's like, that's the, the, that's the super interesting question to me. I feel like this, like we can run all these scenarios for what, how, what the level the cap will be at, but also like the corresponding effect with the luxury tax is such an unknown because is it, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't think there's really a historical precedent for something like this uh, for the NBA in terms of having such a, and granted the, the cap numbers that we're looking at year over year for the NBA right now are still like our leaps and bounds, even though. I feel like the percent growth than there were 20, even 30 years ago. So it's, it's unique. And I think it's a, and, and, and I feel like the, maybe some of the commentary that hasn't been played up enough that Austin Hughes brought up is if they do keep the luxury tax where it was projected to be and just decrease the cap, that, that gap matters. The gap between the, the, the salary cap and the tax and what teams can do with that. Um, so I think it's very, it, the, the implications of that are very interesting to me. And, and I, admittedly, I haven't, I haven't thought through them yet, but I, I'm, I'm very interested in doing so if, if that's the, the route that the league takes. Yeah, so, you know, speaking of owners that don't want to find themselves in financial <laughs> situations that are a little bit unexpected, I, I want to take a moment to kind of um, dwell on, on Tillman for, for Tida. Is that how you – Spell, pronounce his last name uh but the owner of the houston rockets and he has made quite a bit of news for himself at first you know suggesting that we need to open things up we need to open the economy up yada 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 um you know kind of the company line for 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 billionaires but then you know he made news for furloughing or laying off by forty thousand of his employees in his hotel and casino empire and today he made news by going into even more debt. And this is a guy who has leveraged himself complete, like to absurd levels. And that's why he's trying to cut corners in every possible way that he can. And he's going into more debt to keep his empire afloat. Now, I, I don't understand the full... I guess numbers behind all of his assets and, and why it makes sense, more sense to him to go into more debt. But so I'm not going to spend much time on that, 
but I do want to get your guys' opinion on, let's say a situation does happen where, where the cap comes in lower and the tax line drops. All of a sudden you have James Harden, who's like at $38 million, and Russell Westbrook, who's at that absurd contract, and they were going to be a tax team anyway. What, what happens then? Do we see a situation where James Harden is potentially traded? I, I really would hope – I mean, not from Pelicans' perspective, but I would hope that they would – sell the team before he would do something like that 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 fan base oh man after after seeing what happened with the texans and, and i know you're on the nfl guy with the deandre hopkins trade <laughs> yes. man i i don't know that and and they they're mad enough about that everyone accusing their baseball team of cheating but then if they trade james harden because their owners are chiefs because their owners are cheapskate oh man the, the rockets fan takes will almost be worth it but um but yeah man you, you also have to balance the amount of revenue that a player brings in. And, and like LeBron James is on his own stratosphere, but I, I mean, I got to feel like the, I, I feel like for today, even though it's a terrible fucking idea, I feel like he'd try to move Westbrook and trade all the picks that he doesn't have still um, or trade pick swaps, like whatever's left and keep the guy who's like the foundation face of the franchise before he would consider trading James Harden um and I don't I think Daryl Morey might quit over that but and it, it would be chaos I think is what the point I'm trying to make here but that's it's it's quite an interesting but question. but so I mean Daryl Morey might quit but there are maybe four or five players in the league that could net what James Harden could net right now in terms of trade value so like whoever would step in wouldn't be like in the worst situation it'd be a pretty bad situation because the owner is just you'd be recouping the the assets that they traded away to get Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Well, just just for the sake of this, um, the Rockets could also renounce all their free agents, renounce their exceptions, and um, with the current luxury tax, they would still have twenty seven million in room. So, I think um, it would really have to the luxury tax would come down a substantial amount for them to um, to really be in a terrible situation. Um, they do have, you know, massive contracts with Eric Gordon, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, but they pretty much have nothing else on the roster that is tied down. They can renounce everything and, and sign minimum guys if they absolutely had to. Um, so they oh could God. be under the tax. That would. That, I feel like that would also make Maury quit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah I it got... wouldn't be wouldn't be good competitively at all. They would have to. Um, they'd have to get rid of players like PJ Tucker, and you know. It literally couldn't function, so. Man. Man. (laughs) Well, so kind of tangentially related. Um, If Maury or Rockets replacement GM came to you and you were the Pelicans GM and offered you James Harden, what is the most you would give up if you would even want him on the team? Man, I think it's clear you'd want James Harden. I don't know. I, man. Some people just hate him. And I'm like, I, I get it. I get why. But there's no denying how good of a basketball player he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with the current salaries we have, um, it would have to either be a sign-in trade with Brendan Ingram or um, or Drew plus a substantial amount of other stuff would have to be involved. Um, so I would assume so, any any situation where they're trading James Harden, they're not going to ask for Drew in this one year. I mean, like maybe for salary, sure. 
Um, but I'd assume like, like Brandon Ingram would be the first. I mean, obviously Zion would be the first thing they ask for, and that's like a, a known you move on. So Brandon Ingram would be like the first, I guess, semi-realistic thing they would ask for. And, yep. and so that would have to be in, in a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, you know, do you stop right there? Do you say, no, you take Brandon Ingram off the table or, or two, do you do that and are willing to give up more? I would, I would pack Brandon Ingram's bags for him and drive him to the airport. <laughs> I mean, for James Harden, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, that's my personal thing. And I don't know how you guys feel, but. I think pretty much anything except for Zion, I would be pretty happy with as long as it's not 20 picks, but you know, yeah. as long as it's, um, I mean, there's no other player on the roster that I'm just like, there's no way we could survive without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's besides like, Zion. And he's one of those guys that I know it's not, I mean, he, you've got probably three years of Harden, uh, for, and I'm saying it because his player option, I, I don't think there's any way in hell he's declining $47 million in 22-23. Um, but uh, so you put us at three years of him, and I think that he's one of those guys that, I mean, you do it instantly. You know, he's, still, he's still very much in his prime. And even like when he's coming down from his prime, I feel like his, his game relies on like an unprecedented level of craftiness um, that fans like us hate <laughs> a lot of it. So, like, I'm not even in the least bit concerned about any sort of aging curve that, that you might even project for him. Um, and so, yes, you you do whatever it takes within, obviously, within reason to get him. I'm not con- – there's no I – have, I have no concerns about – I mean, the defense is what it is, but he's giving you such positive value on offense that, um, I mean, the defense will fall off. And the defense isn't that good right now, obviously, but a defense will get worse. But it's, it's, it's um, like it works even with their lack of right. bigs and all of that. Like yeah. he's not a liability, so to speak, because they just put him on, on, the, on a big or a non-ball handler. And James Harden's right. actually a decent defender in the post. He can yeah. defend bigs there. And um, it's just in space that he yep. struggles. Yeah. So, yeah, you go. So there. would you – so, like, I'm just throwing a ridiculous offer out there. Ingram, Lonzo, Jackson – and two picks would you do it probably yeah probably yeah i mean if we if we still have you would still be starting a backcourt of drew harden and have zion um down low i mean that would be it would be tough pill to swallow to lose basically you know everything that we traded um ad for but you're getting an equivalent player for us. So I would, I would do it. I mean, I think that's a, you know, a championship contending team, as long as you can find anyone to defend the three. Yeah. I feel like at that point you're, you're going to be contenders for vet men types and buyout mm-hmm. candidates. And and I guess you still have Josh Hart on your team. Yep. Yeah. What would a James Harden and, uh, Zion pick and roll look like could does anyone stop that <laughs> you'd be the, the the series against the Lakers would be just it'd be the two-man game versus the two-man game and just like whoever outlasts the other one would be, would be really fun <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta think teams are already doubling Harden every single time he comes on the court and if you're doubling Harden Zion's gonna he's gonna have a hundred percent field goal percentage like he's just gonna be an unstoppable force it would be ridiculous it would be unstoppable for sure. Okay. Okay. In, enough, enough fantasizing about James Harden. I kind of took it off track there. Um, 
let's let's move on a little bit. Well, folks, this is the end of part one, and so stay tuned for part two. What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.